Great job. So I don't know if, if anyone was expecting that. Rebecca made, might have had a, had a clue because she started talking about the parsonage the other day. And I said, well, actually, we have a plan. And she said, oh, okay. And uh, so she didn't know that. And that's okay. That's all right. Well, I will say this. We do have... Uh, if you want the details, we'll go through a little bit more at our business meeting what, uh, what all this looks like, but uh, we believe that God has just given us an opportunity to bless a couple with an opportunity to serve in ministry. Um, I believe that you are the right church to help this young couple grow in their ministry. This is really their first official placement as a couple in ministry, and uh, speaking from experience, I am incredibly blessed to be your pastor. Uh, you have been incredibly gracious with me and patient with me as I've learned few of through things. As uh, we've had a lot of wins together, we've had some missteps also and losses, which comes, you know, with learning. And I cannot say enough thanks to this congregation and this community of how you have made me feel uh, as a leader, as a young pastor. And so I know that uh, this church is just going to bless this couple as they come. And uh, we really are going to believe that they find the right job. Um, we're going to move them up here next month, uh, just work finalizing a couple dates. Uh, they're going to get settled in and uh, officially start uh, probably, um, what's the, what month is it? Probably the beginning of December will be the official start date. So uh, we will give you some opportunities on how we can bless them when they get here. But uh, I'm just so grateful for God for this moment. If you have questions, you can come see me later. Send me an email. Give me a phone call uh, of how you can help or what you want to know. We're more than happy to help you with that. But uh, exciting moments for us for sure. Well, let me just share a few thoughts with you today. As, uh, as the clock goes on, I don't want to, to take away from this exciting moment. But uh, why do we do these things? We do these things because they help us follow Jesus. We, we hire leaders, to, we hire pastors in our churches so that they can help us get closer to God. Does anyone here want to get closer to God? All right, that's great. That's a really good place to start. And so we want to give you a couple tools to do that, a couple resources. And one of those things that we do is we open up God's word and we believe that he gives us the tools of how he speaks to us right through here. So if you want, you can jump to Matthew 23 today. Matthew chapter 23, and I'm not going to read through it the way that maybe I normally would, but start at 23, and I think the verse is, if I got this right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it a few times as we get there. But let me ask you this question. How many here like to break the rules? How many here are thankful for the rules? Okay, all you rule breakers, take off your mask. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't give you my opinion, but I'll tell you later, because we're streaming. But how many know that there are people in this world who like to break the rules? Now, what I have learned in my own life is that I appreciate the rules. I appreciate having policy. I appreciate having structure so that we know the boundaries. We know sort of the best way to move forward. I appreciate all those things. And do you know why I appreciate having rules? Anyone want to wager a guess as to why? No. No, I appreciate having rules so I can break them. <laughs> I, I am practical to a T. And so if there is a rule or a policy that gets in the way of accomplishing the mission, my first gut reaction is to bend that rule 
in order for it to, to, to suit the right advantage. I should have been a lawyer, okay? Lawyers don't lie, they just change the rules, right? Isn't that how it works? If you're a lawyer watching, I'm sorry, but not really. Maybe I've just been watching too many, too many episodes of Suits, I'm not too sure. Whatever. But here's, here's the thing, Jesus came to break a few rules. Jesus came to break a few rules because there were things that were getting in the way of people getting close to God. There were a few things getting in the way, a few stipulations that were getting in the way of people coming close to God. And it wasn't really because of the rules, it was because of the people enforcing the rules. Jesus, believe it or not, wants us to value our relationship with God more than he wants us to win. Jesus wants us to value our relationship with God more than he wants us to actually win. And so what I learned is that I like to bend the rules because I like to be a winner. I like to not lose, okay? Uh, the way that Billy Bean put it, one of the, the uh, uh, Oakland uh, Athletics baseball coach, he says he hates losing more than he hates winning, and I can relate to that statement. So I don't like playing board games unless I know that there is a chance that I could win, and maybe even if it's in my favor that I could win. I never used to like board games. I never liked playing sports, partly because I wasn't very good at it, and if I wasn't very good at it, I didn't want to play. Can someone say, poor sport, Pastor Gary? Ten times fast. <laughs> now, I have learned over time to get over myself. I have learned that it's okay to lose. In fact, there are good moments where it is good to fail sometimes. But I do not like to lose. But I have learned how to have fun in the middle of a game. I've learned to let the competitive side go away. In fact, when I was in my second year of college out in Saskatchewan, I joined our intramural hockey team. I'm not the best skater in the world. I used to not like playing floor hockey because I was never good at it. And so I said, why not put these combinations together? I'm not very good at hockey and I'm not very good at skating. Why don't I join the hockey team and see how I do? And I had a blast, okay? We hardly won a game. I had the time of my life. I, you know, hockey, it was supposed to be a non-contact league. And so, you know what happens if you accidentally body check somebody? You know, you get in trouble. I would apologize if I'd skate into somebody or hit the, I, would, I was like, I'm the worst, like, competitive person on the ice because I was just trying to overcome. I'd be like, well, sorry, I didn't mean to do that and all of these things. You're like the worst hockey player in the world. But I had the time of my life. And we, by somehow, we managed, I think everybody was allowed to be a part of the playoffs. So we made the playoffs even without winning a single game. It was awesome. And it's the last game. We're, like, one minute left. We're, like... Four to zero. We're on the zero, of course. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. This has been so much fun. I have the next shift. For the next 30 seconds, I get to skate my heart out and try to hit the puck into the net for the next 30 seconds. And I was having the time of my life. Well, the guy that I was supposed to replace didn't get off the ice. He says, I'm better than Gary. I have a better chance of winning. We were like four to zero. There was no way in 30 seconds we were going to win the game. But he was determined that he was going to win no matter what. And by the time the buzzer rang, I was more mad I didn't get my ice time in that last 30 seconds than the fact that we didn't win a single game all season. Because I had finally come to a point in my life that I realized it's not about winning. And I feel like when we get to this chapter in Matthew, Jesus says to the religious leaders, 
he says it's not about winning. He said it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about a relationship with Father God. All of the things that you're trying to do are getting in the way of people getting closer to God. There are people that are more interested in following the rules than they are following Jesus. And he confronts this mentality in Matthew chapter 23 with seven woes. Can everybody say woes? Say woes. Woes is one of those words where the definition comes from its sound. Think of the words like buzz, right? Buzz describes the sound of the word buzz or the word click or the word swish or whoosh. I think when I saw the word whoosh, I was thinking of Toy Story when... When Woody's talking to Buzz, this is for the kids if they want to hear it. And he's like, I think it's so cool. Your helmet does that, that whoosh thing, you know, whoosh. It's one of those, those words. It's defined by its sound, right? What is whoosh? It's whoosh. Enough said. Woe is one of those words. It's an expression of grease, but it's grease. <laughs> it's, an <expression laughs> it's an expression of grief, but it's also a curse, and seven times Jesus says, woe to you, as he directs his conversation to these religious leaders. You know, these guys, these religious leaders, you would have thought they would have been the best followers of Jesus because they knew all the rules. They knew the purpose of all the rules, and yet they were hardly even called a fan. Now, there are two types of religious leaders. Say two types. Say Sadducees and Pharisees. So I want this side to be Sadducees, okay? You guys can be Jesus. You guys can be Pharisees, okay? So let me hear you, Sadducees. And let me hear you over here. One more time. Jesus, perfect. Sadducees, if I point you, I want to say, see how far you can, see how far you can keep up with this. So the, we're born into their rule. In other words, to be a, well, Nancy got it. To be a Sadducee, you had to be part of the family. And you were, you were brought into that role. Now the, not bad, not bad. Now the Pharisees, they had to work. They had to work to become one of the leaders in the temple. They had to work to be one of the leaders in the synagogue. They had to memorize scripture. They had to do the right rituals. They had to prove themselves that they were worthy enough to be Pharisees. Thank you, Sandra. That's awesome. So, Simple thing is Sadducees, heritage, Pharisees, works. Now, we even know that today our faith, our religion, is not about being born into Christianity. We're not automatically a follower of Jesus because we were born in a certain country. We're not automatically a follower of Jesus because our parents go to church every week and they drag us along. I think we know this as a church already. Uh, we are not a Christian or a follower of Jesus because we're told we are. We are a follower of Jesus because we've been told to be born again. And we've talked about this before, and we're going to talk about what that means in the next few weeks after this is sort of done. Faith in following Jesus has always been more about surrendering ourselves, surrendering our hearts, than it is honoring the heritage and more than honoring and doing good works. Following Jesus is more about surrendering ourselves to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, than it is about working hard and being born into the family. You know, there was a young man who competed, um, who was a tennis player, rather. His name was Andre Agasagi. I, I can't even say his name. Agasagi. 
Thank you. I knew someone would have it. Does anybody know how many Grand Slams he's won over his 20-year career? Eight. Does anyone know at what age he turned pro? 16. But you're close. Corey gave an answer. He wins anyway. Close enough. In his autobiography, Open, he revealed to the world, believe it or not, that he never actually liked tennis at all. He won eight Grand Slams, and he hated the game. As it turns out, playing tennis was his father's dream for his life. And he would work hard to please his father, but he hated the game. He worked hard, he sweat, he was really good, but his heart was not in it at all. Talk about faking it really well. I don't know if you know this or not, but faking being a follower of Jesus does not work. There's definitely no winning, if you could ever call it winning, when you're faking it. If I'm personally honest, you know, how, how many times in my life have I been able to, to fake it, so to speak, or make it look good? So, you know, I've learned to play guitar, I can sing a song, I can sing it with passion, but does that mean my heart has really turned its attention to the Father? I get challenged with that when I hear stories like this often. So many times there are things that I have learned to become at least decent at, if not good at. And yet I've done it out of my actual skill and not out of a reliance or a love for God. One, because sometimes the job needed to get done. Two, because I thought it would make me look good. Or, or sometimes it was a combination of both. Matthew 23 Verse 5, Jesus looks at the religious leaders and he says, They have told you all these things, they do all these things, but it is all for show. It's all for a show. Did you know that Greek actors who would participate in Greek plays, they would uh, often be called hypocrites? Do you know why? Because they would often play many different roles in the same place. They were always being somebody they weren't. And so they referred to them as hypocrites, not even as a bad thing. That's just what they were called. They were called hypocrites. And Jesus starts this message in Matthew chapter 23 by identifying the power and the responsibility of the religious leaders to show these men respect and to listen to them. That's how he starts it. You can find that in Matthew 23. He says this, Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. You know what? If someone walked into the church today and said, Hey, cake church, you have to listen and do everything Pastor Gary says. Wow. I really hope they wouldn't follow up with the next line. So, it sounds amazing. Then he finishes his sentence. He says this. He says, do everything they tell you to do, but do not do what they do, <laughs> for they do not practice what they preach. How many times have a parent you have said, do as I say, not as I? How many live that regularly? Stop yelling at me. Stop yelling at me, Daddy. Sorry, <laughs> caught me. Do what they say, not what they do. Jesus goes on to share the truth that only Father God is worthy of all praise. 
Not these men, not these religious leaders. He says, honor them, honor your leaders, respect them, but praise belongs to God. Exaltation belongs to God, not men. He has some very tough words for these leaders, as he should, because as leaders, we're held to a higher responsibility. We are held to a higher account because we are responsible to lead others to Jesus. We are responsible for teaching people how to get closer to God. Leaders are held to a higher standard, and Jesus calls them out. Jesus does not expect us to be perfect. It's why he came in the first place. He did not expect us to be perfect. However, he did expect that we would be authentic. It's why he makes grace and forgiveness so easy for us to receive. He says there's no shame. There's no condemnation. When you confess your sins, he makes it so easy because he wants a clear path between us and the Father. He wants us to get closer to God. He makes it so easy. He takes away the shame. He takes away the burden. He takes away the guilt. Anytime you feel those things, it's not from God. If you feel guilty about something, it's not from God. If you feel condemned for something you've done or something you've said, that feeling is not from God. You may feel convicted, and that is the Holy Spirit. But he will never make you feel shame or embarrassed because he values the relationship. He doesn't want you just to follow the rules to make it look good. He wants you to follow the rules so you can get close to him. And if the rules start getting in the way of following Jesus, we've got a problem. It's okay. She's going to go count the offering, Rebecca. It's good. She's just learning from from my son. She's just going to take everything off the desk. I should just clean the office, you know. Follow the rules. Verse 27, 28, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like the whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones. The next time you're in a war of words with somebody, use this one. You are pretty on the outside, but you're like dead bones on the inside. It'll work. Imagine. Imagine being told that. 28, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. That word lawlessness is incredibly important this morning. <laughs> Just you can lock the door. I have my keys on my desk. <laughs> good, good. Why, how come you're not babysitting your sister, man? <laughs> How many older siblings have said that line before? (laughs) Their hearts were filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow, people that were in charge of the law, suddenly they're going to be called lawless. Incredible. Elizabeth's going to come play the piano this morning. She's going to sing a song called, Lord, I Need You. And it's all about God taking away our sin. The next couple weeks, we're going to jump into some of these woes. Now, I don't say them out of condemnation towards any of us here. I only share them because these are the words that Jesus shared to the people that knew better. And his desire was that all people, all people would be saved and that they would know God. And I would hate for us to have anything in the way between us getting closer to our Heavenly Father. You know, he created a family, he created a a community that we would follow Jesus, that we would serve him place that we can encourage one another. 
He wanted to eliminate the barriers that existed. I would hate for us to, to have some things in our own life, have some things in our church that would keep you, would keep others from finding God. And so we're going to look at the next couple of weeks at some of these woes, but as we get there, we know one thing is for certain. God values the relationship more than he values the rules. The rules existed for a purpose, but God desires to have a relationship with you. The North Shore doesn't need a church of people pretending to worship Jesus. They need a church that's passionately in love with him. They need a church that's authentically and passionately in love with him. People don't want to see white and beautiful things on the outside. They, want, they don't want to come in here and see the nice painted walls and say, yeah, it looks really good. They want something that's real. They want us to know that what we say is who we are. They want us to know that what we preach about, what we talk about, what we sing about is actually true in our own lives. And so as we enter this next moment, as we begin to take communion together, I want us to take a minute, and as Elizabeth sings the first verse and chorus of this song, I want us to take a minute and just let the Holy Spirit just search into our heart today and say, hey, Lord, if there is anything inside of my life, if there is anything inside of me that, Lord, has, has wronged you, has kept my distance from you, God, I pray today that you would take that burden from me. We got these COVID-friendly communion cups, and at the risk of taking this moment and maintaining a sense of reverence, I just uh, encourage you, there is a tiny little wrapper on the top to take out the bread, and then you have to open it to take the juice out. Now, it's incredibly frustrating trying to open it. And I'm so thankful that it's more about the relationship than the rules. What better analogy than right now? Okay. But if you can't do that, we just know that you'll join us in spirit as we partake in this communion together. Jesus has made a way forward for us because of the Last Supper, because he went to the cross, because he came back to life. And in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And so if you are able to, let's give thanks today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the broken body of Christ today. We thank you for giving yourself, Lord, as an offering. Giving yourself, Lord, as the sacrifice. Lord, so that we may have eternal life. Thank you, O God, for allowing yourself to go through the horrendous actions. Lord, of the beating that you received as you went to the cross. Lord, the criminal's death that you took. Lord, for your broken body, we give thanks to you today. That that didn't have to be us. That it didn't have to be me on the cross. Jesus, I thank you today that you gave your body in place of ours. We are grateful today in your name. If you're able to, let's partake this bread together. Stop, please. No, let's leave it alone, okay? Mm -hmm. It says, Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until the day 
when I drink with you new in my Father's kingdom. Today, Lord, we remember your blood, your blood that was shed for us. We thank you, O Lord, that we have this cup to remind us that we get to sit with you in heaven when the time has come. Lord, to join you and partake in this communion dinner with you again, Lord, as we celebrate your sacrifice. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning with communion. Thank you for joining us in person. And if you still haven't figured out the cup, that's okay. You can ask Frank when I showed them these fancy new things at our board meeting. It didn't go well then. (laughs) But I'm thankful that these are symbols for us this morning to remind us of what Jesus did for us in our imperfection that he has made us whole. I am thankful that he has reached down from heaven to you and to me. And so today, if you would like prayer for something, I don't know how this is going to work practically, but I want you to reach out if you need prayer. And if you would just like to talk, we want to be there for you. And so maybe just stick around a little bit for a few minutes before we go. But I just trust that you go with God today. I trust that you've been able to move closer to God. I trust that as you go this week, you will take some time and remember to reflect and believe that God wants not only for you to get close to him, but he wants to use you for his glory because he's invited you to be part of his family. Amen.